Hey, this is Candace Pringle, lead pastor of Effie Church, and this is our podcast. All right, so brand new sermon series. Are you ready? Yay. Yeah. So, to stay or not to stay is actually the title of this series, and in our quest to become the vibrant, passionate, selfless church we believe God has called Freedom Valley to be, we need to focus ourselves this year on creating disciples. Yeah? And I know that doesn't sound all that earth-shattering. It's pretty much the mission and calling of the church for forever. But, you know, we, we see lots of salvations around here. We saw 105 baptisms in 2018. I mean, that's an amazing number for this area and time. And what I want to know is the person that, the first person that got baptized last year, beginning of the year, are they one year later today still serving Jesus? Are they getting plugged into the church? Are they going further in their faith, right? Because baptism is one thing, but if it's not creating a disciple after that, we've missed something somewhere. We're called to create disciples. People who follow Jesus are not just fond of Jesus or kind of loosely follow him, but people who stick around, emulate their leader, try to actively be more like Jesus, right? We, have, we live in this world that runs at the first sight of trouble, that quits the first whisper of adversity. And to be honest, the church isn't all that much different. We are sometimes too easily offended too easily convinced to give up and throw in the towel. You know, the Bible says in Luke 10 that the, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And I think that's because although we see record numbers of, of salvations and baptisms, we aren't seeing them stick around and help with the work of the harvest. We need people that stay. Stay to get the job done. Not just in our own life, but in the lives of others. Being a Christian isn't about me. Not about just you and your relationship. It's about getting healthy enough to help other people out of the depths, too. Helping other people out of their own personal hell that they have to live through before coming to Jesus. Helping them to see the hope and the future that he offers, right? That's our mission and calling. And to be able to do that... We have to develop the gift of faithfulness in our lives. Persistence, perseverance, the ability to stick around even when it's tough. My husband calls it stick itiveness We need to develop stick itiveness Stick to it even when it gets tough, just like Jesus did. And so we're going to read today some of Jesus' words out of Luke 11. And just to give you some context, we're going to pick up his story here in the midst of his ministry. I mean, he is in the thick of it by Luke 11. He is sending disciples out to to surrounding towns and villages and telling them to declare that the Messiah is coming, right? And he's ministering to people in the temple and out in the streets. He's performing miracles and seeing people healed, and he's in the thick of it. And we see him during this time constantly withdrawing from people to be alone with God. 
He, in some places, he's up on a mountain all by himself praying. In some places, he goes into a garden by himself to pray. In some places, it just calls it a lonely place. Jesus withdrew to a lonely place and prayed. He gets alone with God, and he prays, speaks to his Father. And at one point here in Luke 11, the disciples are like, hey, Jesus, come up to him after he's done with one of these prayer sessions, and they say, can, can you teach us how to do that? John taught his disciples some prayers, John the Baptist. Can you teach us like he taught them? And so he does. You know, I, I, back in that day, Jews' prayers were really rote. They were doxologies. They were um, memorized prayers that they sort of repeated, and they tended to be all about God. These were the prayers that many of his disciples were used to. Jesus prayed differently. Like, it's like you know the Father, not just know of him. Teach us to pray like that. And so he does, and this is where we see the Lord's Prayer, and he teaches them how to pray. And we see different versions of that throughout the four Gospels, by the way. So we know that it's not just a a rote prayer that he was teaching them to pray, but more like a pray like this this type of thing situation. And so he teaches them the Lord's Prayer, and we're going to pick up the story in verse 5 immediately after that. Then, teaching them more about prayer, he used this story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight, wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. You say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit, and I have nothing for him to eat. Jesus often taught in parables, right? He taught in stories. And he starts out this story by explaining a situation that is very cultural, okay? So let me just give you a little bit of background. In this culture and time, if a a guest showed up at your door, a visitor, a a traveler from far away, you fed them. It It was very important because there was not a Burger King on every corner. There weren't really hotels with room service, okay? If they were coming from far away, they weren't traveling with a a cooler bag full of fresh food, okay? They took what they could with them, what they could keep fresh for long enough to arrive to the next destination, okay? So when a guest showed up at your door, you took it seriously and you fed them. This was also a way that they exchanged news. You know, they didn't have cell phones and Twitter, you know, they they got their news from people that were traveling through. What's going on in that town? Where did you come from? And tell us about that. What's happening there? So they, they were eager to receive guests, but they took it extremely carefully. It was a very high, it was of very high importance in that culture to treat guests well. And so... If a man went to his neighbor's house in the middle of the night and said, an unexpected guest arrived, I need something to feed him. Can I borrow three loaves of bread? That neighbor would have understood the importance here. But notice that the asker isn't asking for something at midnight for himself. He didn't just be lazy that day and and not make food and got a little hungry at midnight, okay? He's not going to his neighbor for something for him. This is not a selfish request. It's not a lazy request because he wasn't expecting this visitor. Specifically says it was an unexpected visit, okay? So before we get any further into the story, what I want you to understand is this story isn't about laziness or selfishness. Jesus isn't teaching us to ask lazy and selfish, to pray lazy and selfish prayers, okay? And I think a lot of us 
we get this a little wrong. We, we think Jesus is saying we have a blank check from heaven. Cash it for anything. Just keep praying for that Lamborghini and God's going to provide it. Maybe God will. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. But th- this isn't a, a teaching on how to pray for things that you want. It's how, well, we'll get there. I'm getting ahead of myself. It's not about get-rich-quick schemes. You know, Proverbs 28, 20 says, A faithful man will abound with blessings, but whoever hastens to be rich will not go unpunished. You have to take the whole of Scripture, right? Look at other Scripture to explain this. A faithful man will abound with blessings, but whoever hastens to be rich will not go unpunished. You know, I love that it doesn't say God will punish them. Just life in general. That will punish them. Have you ever seen studies on people that win the lottery? The, the mega millions or whatever? It's crazy. They don't last all that long after they win it, usually. They misuse it. They're doing crazy things with it. They're, they're off spending it like crazy, right? They get murdered and somebody steals it. It's, it's kind of insane what happens to people that win those humongous lotteries. Life beats them up after that. It's not the blessing that they anticipated. Luke 16 says, One who is faithful in very little is also faithful in much. One who is dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much. If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust you to true riches? And if you've not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? It's about faithfulness. God always prefers spiritual health to physical wealth. He wants to see you spiritually healthy before he sees you physically wealthy. Don't get me wrong. Again, Jesus, in the previous few verses, just got done teaching the disciples how to pray, asking prayers. And the Lord's Prayer is about asking for things, knowing God like a good dad, like a father, right? But Jesus doesn't say, pray for riches and glory for yourself. He actually teaches them to pray for glory for the Father, to ask for today's bread, not bread for all of eternity so I never have to worry about it again, but today's bread. Meet my bodily needs today. Tomorrow, I'll pray the same thing. Meet my needs today, right? Pray for today's bread, daily bread, it says, and, and it goes on. Pray for forgiveness and the ability to forgive. Pray for relief from temptation, right? These are the things in the Lord's Prayer that Jesus is teaching us to pray. Powerful but simple principles for your life. Pray like that. Preferring spiritual health over physical wealth. God wants to give you the desires of your heart. He does. He wants that for you. But if you don't get the basic self-disciplines down before he gives them to you, it might ruin you. God knows human nature better than we know ourselves, right? He wants to see you spiritually healthy before he blesses you with the physical things that you're asking for. When you're following God, your heart's desires tend to change too. When you're really following him, when you're within his will, when you're seeking his face, when you're in your word and you're praying and you're spending time with him, your focus changes, might be looking at the same situations and the same issues in your life, but you're not thinking about them the same anymore. He changes your heart's desires the further you get 
into knowing him and, and your relationship with him. God prefers spiritual health to physical wealth. And so this story isn't about laziness or selfishness. Let's keep reading. Number seven, verse seven. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom, don't bother me. The door is locked for the night and my family and I are all in bed. I can't help you. But I tell you this, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need. If you keep knocking long enough. Now, I'm in the season of my life where I have little ones, and sometimes it's mom, mommy, mama, mom, mommy, mom, 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 mom. Right? And then I go, what? What do you need? Oh, my goodness, stop that. Tell me, I will give you whatever, you know? And, and I look at God like, okay, so keep knocking means I just need to mom, mom, mommy him until I get what I want, right? But is God me? <laughs> Does God react in the way that I react? This isn't, this isn't a story about annoyance on God's part. God is not exploding at you, blowing up and giving you something just to get you out of his hair, okay? That's not what this is. This is about you working for something being diligent in your prayers, being steadfast in what you want. James 1 says, don't be double-minded in your prayers, for a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. In another version, it says, but when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything they do. Double-minded prayers. We're not bullying God into asking for the things we want by continuing to knock. We're just showing him that we're serious by not asking once or twice, but to keep knocking. Some of us, we pray these dinky little prayers once, barely any faith behind it. Oh, God, if you, if you could just provide me with a husband... That'd be great, thanks. And we wait like a week. Ah, eh, well, he didn't, he didn't provide, so I'm going to the bar and I'm going to do it my way. Right? We, we think God didn't answer our puny little prayers in the time that we wanted him to, and so we go off and we figure it out on our own. It doesn't always work when we figure it out on our own, does it? You know, I think God also knows... Human nature better than we know it ourselves, and he knows that most of us can barely decide on what we want to eat for lunch that day, much less what we want for our lives, what we actually, truly want. I change my mind on that constantly. You know what I don't change my mind on? When I have sought God's face for something, when I've struggled through something in prayer and, and reading the word and fasting, and I feel a word from God, I'm all in. Right? When, when you've gotten that picture, that vision of the future from him, you don't have to waver on it. The Bible actually says the word is like a light unto our path, a lamp unto our feet. It's going to give you that direction that you've been looking for. It's going to make your path clear. It's easy to make decisions at that point when you get a word from God. In our humanness, we're indecisive. We don't know what we want. We don't know what tomorrow holds. But God does. We have to trust him with that. So let's keep reading the, the end of verse 8 there. He will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. And so I tell you, keep on asking. 
and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. You fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? This story isn't about laziness or selfishness on the part of the asker, and it's not about annoyance on God's part. It's about shameless persistence. I once had a supervisor in a job ask me, you know, what, what are you proud that you've brought to the team this year? And I sat and thought about it for a minute, and I said, I guess I'm, I'm proud of my ability to just get things done. Like when I say I'm going to do something, I follow through on it. Yeah, that's what I'm proud of. And he looked back at me and was like, well, I sort of meant like something tant like like a, an idea you brought to the table this year, something more tangible. And I was like, no, I, that's what I'm proud of because I'm looking at people around me and they can't stick to something. When they say they're going to do it, they don't do it. They're, they're dropping balls everywhere. They're assigned a project and it doesn't happen. I'm just, I'm just proud that when I say I'm going to do something, I do it. I'm sticking to that one. <laughs> we all have that one friend that's like super fun to be around but just never shows up when they say they will. I can never just quite rely that they're, they're going to be in that time and place. Or maybe it's a family member. You're like, yeah, they said they're going to be here, but they usually don't show up. So I don't know, right? Anybody else know have those friends? You just can't plan. So you almost have to have a contingency when they're invited because you never know. They're actually showing up. I don't want to be like that. I want to let my yes be yes and my no be no and... and shamelessly persisting, persevering, being faithful. We've lost the gift of faithfulness in this culture sometimes. We don't know how to just show up when we say we will or, or commit to something. If you can commit to anything in this life and be confident in that choice, commit to Jesus. He's always faithful. He's always there. Always doing the right thing and, and helping you do the same. I, I think... God knows exactly how forgetful we are as human beings. And he just wants to see a little shameless persistence sometimes. Let's see you committed to something. We forget so often. As soon as we walk out of the doors of the church, we've already forgotten that God is graceful. Even when we don't deserve it. He's merciful. He doesn't punish us even when we do deserve it. That God is love. Even on Monday morning when we can't feel it anymore from worship on Sunday. He is love. God is God. After 24 hours after we leave the church on Sunday, we already have forgotten who we are in him. We are bold and brave. Powerhouses for him. We, we walk by faith, not by sight. We are strong and courageous, focused and free. We have a purpose unto him. We have been called and commissioned to make a difference in this world. That is the mission and calling of the church, and that's who we are in him. As soon as we walk out the doors, though, we forget. And it's all about us again. We ask God, bless my plans for today. Instead of, God, what are your plans? And how can I help you with those? Of this shameless persistence, 
It's not manipulating God into getting what you want. Because when we do that, sometimes we get it. Remember the, the story of the Israelites in the Old Testament when they first got Saul as their king? They had God, a perfect being, as their king. And they said, God, we, we want a human king. 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 And no matter how many times God warned them that, that was not a good idea, they wanted a human king. And God gave it to them. It wasn't good at first. I mean, it, it wasn't good. God will give you what you want sometimes. Jesus modeled for us submission, where he asked for things that he wanted. He actually, in the very end, right before he was crucified, he said, Jesus, he said, God, I, I, take this cup from me. I don't want to have to go through with this, but ultimately, your will be done. And I'll do whatever you think is best. I, persistence is not manipulation. It's not bullying God into doing what we want. It's not spoiled rottenness. It's trusting him, asking for things we want like we would ask a father, a good father, but not bullying him into doing it. Second Samuel 12, there's this interesting story of David, King David. He messed up big time. He actually had an affair with Bathsheba, right? He killed off her husband, and they had a baby together. I mean, big mistake in his walk with God. The baby's born, and it's deathly ill. And we see David tear his clothes and cover himself in ashes, and he's on the floor, face down for days on end, fasting and praying and pleading with God to save that baby. And his advisors are kind of like, dude, what's going on here? The king is going a little crazy. He hasn't eaten in days. We don't know what to do with him. And finally, the baby dies. And they're whispering in the corner, like, who's going to tell him? Because <laughs> it's bad now. What's going to happen when he finds out that the baby actually dies? <coughs> and he hears them whispering. And he's like, what's up, guys? can see something's going on. And they tell him the baby is dead with, like, fear and trembling. <laughs> you know, like, what's going to happen once he finds out? And David gets up, washes himself, puts on a clean shirt goes to the tabernacle and praises God and then comes home and eats something. And they're literally like, the Bible says, his advisors were amazed. We don't understand you, they told him. While the child was still living, you wept and refused to eat. But now that the child is dead, you have stopped your mourning and are eating again. What is going on, right? David replied, I fasted and wept while the child was alive. For I said, perhaps the Lord will be gracious to me and let the child live. But why should I fast when he is dead? Can I bring him back again? I will go to him one day, but he cannot return to me. David trusted God, even in death when it, it seems the hardest to trust God. He realized that he might have been a king, but God is the king. God is sovereign, meaning he has the ultimate power and authority, and we have to trust that. He has a plan that what he does is good and perfect. He is still on the throne. Aaron and I have a saying, when something goes bad and our trust and faith is tested a little bit, God is still God. 
and God is still good. A reminder to ourselves that even when it's hard, and sometimes, guys, it is hard, God is still God, and God is still good. When, even when our hearts don't feel it in that moment, we speak it from our mouths, training our souls to trust in him. You know, sometimes that shameless persistence, your faith, you have to question yourself a little bit. You have to examine that urge to run away sometimes. I've learned this lately when, when I react to something when I say something I shouldn't or, you know, I act out in anger or stress or something, I have tried to, to train myself to take that apart a little, to unpack that a little, to step back from myself and observe from the outside and, and be self-aware enough to say, why would I react in that way? Why would I say what I said? Right? And, and this is not easy, by the way. You give yourself way more excuses than you give other people. The first thing that comes into your mind is, well, I didn't have coffee that morning. You know, I, I hadn't slept in a week. Of course I'm going to react that way. Have, be, be graceful with yourself, right? Give yourself so many excuses. But past all of those excuses is the truth somewhere. You know why you reacted the way you did. Maybe you don't want to admit it to yourself, but it's there. Is it fear? <clears throat> I react out of fear a lot. Sometimes it's good fear. It's fear that's keeping me from, you know, having a confrontation that's going to have a big consequence that I shouldn't deal with, right? Fear can keep you from breaking the law and doing that sort of thing. Sometimes it's good fear. But sometimes it's just fear of confrontation, fear of being rejected, fear of failing? Good fear or bad fear? Is it pride? Pride keeps me doing a lot of things that I shouldn't be doing too. It, it makes me want to seem better in people's eyes than I actually am, right? It causes me to do things I should not be doing. Is it shame? Guilt? Because those things also, they, they, shame and guilt pull you away from God. They make you want to hide from God. There is, there is Holy Spirit conviction that pulls you toward God while making you want to change it and being grateful for God's love for you. But shame and guilt, the opposite. They don't do that. So are you reacting? Are you running? Are you not staying out of shame or guilt? Or maybe it's just to protect your health. Some of us run away. We... we drop relationships and that sort of thing just to protect health. This, this is actually why I couldn't call this series Just Stay. Because there is a time to run, biblically. And Jesus, in just the, the chapter before the one that we read today, Luke 10, he teaches his disciples that there is a time to leave a town. He, he sends them out. He says, go, proclaim that the Messiah is coming. Tell them the good news. But if they don't receive it, and you've done your best, you shake the dust off of your feet from that town, and you move on to one that will. Jesus telling you, when you're not received well, when it, it's not going to be a productive relationship with a town, just the very, the, the dust from that town. It, this is actually a cultural thing in, in 
Judaism back then, it, it was a sort of, we have the, the term, wash your hands of it. You know, wipe the dust off was that in their culture. Jews would go through a town if they were traveling or whatever. It was a Gentile town. And when they left that town, they would literally wipe the dust off their feet, signifying, I am not part of that, right? That is not me. We're going to leave that behind, and we're going to move on differently. That's what Jesus was telling them to do. God never gives up on people, but he doesn't require his disciples to stay in fruitless relationships or missions. He is purposeful, intentional, and requires the same of you. Isn't that comforting to know? There's a time to stay, confront your fear, confront your pride or whatever it is, and there's a time to wipe the dust off your feet and move on. To stay or not to stay. The question many of us should be asking ourselves, but instead we react immediately, we run. We run, we run, or we stay when we shouldn't. Examining those motives behind the urges is the first step. The second is to commit that to God. Examine what it is that's keeping you from doing what you probably know you should do and saying, God, help me with it. The only way the disciples got this teaching out of Jesus was by watching him They saw him constantly withdrawing in prayer to be with the Father. They were watching him, but then they asked him. They questioned him. They asked to be taught. Jesus led so much by example. And there are so many teachings that we would not have written down for us to study today if the disciples hadn't asked. They went to him and said, Jesus, teach us that. What are you doing there? How do we be more like that? Have you asked God to teach you something lately? Because he will. He wants to. In fact, that last verse that we read, verse 13, says, If you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? He wants to give it to you. And I love that Jesus... He doesn't reference all of the physical things that they could ask for and get here. He's not talking about daily bread even anymore. The answer that God gives you is the Holy Spirit. I saw a quote lately that said something like, do you need the Holy Spirit to go to heaven? And the response was, girl, you need the Holy Spirit to go to Walmart. (laughs) I thought that's so right. We need the Holy Spirit. Not to make us right with God, because Jesus did that, but to live life with boldness and power and wisdom and and all the fruits that the Holy Spirit provides. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's what the Holy Spirit produces. You, we get it backwards. We ask God for patience. I just, I just need to be more patient in my life. And we put all the pressure on ourselves to just be more patient. Then we get in our cars and somebody doesn't use their blinker for like two seconds. And that's out the window, right? We can't do it by ourselves. Just being better isn't going to work. The, the law is actually there to show us that. That we aren't going to live up to it by ourselves ever. 
Jesus came to unleash the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, to give us the power, the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, to go to Walmart, <laughs> to deal with people, to, to love them, even when it's hard. God's answer when we ask for the forgiveness is the Holy Spirit. When we ask for patience is the Holy Spirit. To a lot of our requests, God says, pursue me and I will work the rest out. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, Jesus said, and I will give you rest. Rest for your souls. Rest for all of the things that you're trying so hard and never accomplishing. I will give you rest in me. Let me worry about it for a while, and I want to carry those burdens for you. Sometimes we're too busy pursuing the problem. We have our face turned toward the problem all of the time. And God's just waiting for us to turn our faces to the problem solver. Pursue him. Turn our face toward him. So what have you observed Jesus doing lately? Are you in the word? Are you studying his life? What are you watching him do? And then what are you asking him to be taught right now? We watch as disciples and we ask. God can teach you how to pray like Jesus did. can teach you how to forgive even in the midst of being crucified like Jesus did. can teach you how to heal people believing in faith and laying your hands on and praying. He can teach you how to walk closer to God. But you have to watch what he's doing. You have to ask him. And when you feel that urge to run, do you examine it? Or do you run? Let's bow our heads as we Think through those questions. Father, we thank you and we praise you for your word. Thank you that it's useful to teach us and correct us, guide us. Help us be people that want your correction. Not only endure it, but enjoy it. That want to be taught by you how to be good disciples, faithful, persistent persevering disciples that make it through storms that are found standing after a battle make us people that cannot be swayed roots in our faith that go down deep into our soul nothing nothing can separate us from God's love help us be people that remember that especially in times of trouble Thank you so much for joining us today. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, please let us know by going to fv.church/inn. And remember to download our app for more content and helpful links.
Hey everybody, welcome to Home Groups, where we apply the message we heard this weekend at FV Church. And this weekend we started a brand new series. It's fresh, it's new, it's stay. The importance of remaining in Christ and in the church and in relationships with his believers no matter what we're going through or experiencing. Yeah, Jesus modeled for us this beautiful picture of walking through so many tough things and staying faithful, staying in God, continually going back in, in prayer and focus on who he is, having peace in the middle of the storm. And what he was teaching his disciples in the passage we studied this week is how to stay faithful in prayer how to continually go back to God and ask him for the things that we need. We see this this awesome example in the life of David in the Old Testament where he was about to lose his baby. His baby was dying and he tore his clothes and he was fasting and he was laying on the floor basically praying for days on end and people kept trying to get him like, David, come on, get up, you need to eat something. He was all in until that baby died. And then he got up, put some clothes on, ate something, and served God again. He he was basically saying, I'm all in until I can't be anymore. And then, you know what, I'm gonna serve God anyway. His will be done, I'm surrendered unto him, but I'm gonna keep knocking. And David wasn't double-minded in those prayers. Mm -hmm. He wasn't saying, God, can you please, but if you don't. Mm -hmm. He was saying, save the child, save the child, save the child. And he was all in on those prayers, fully invested, pursuing God, asking, asking, asking. And at the end of the day, God said no. And David then didn't doubt the sovereignty of God. Mm-hmm. You know, we we need to not be double-minded in our requests, asking full-heartedly, this is what I want from you, God. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the day, knowing that he does what is best, not what is fair. And not double-minded in our following That's him, right. in our discipleship. Mm-hmm. Perseverance and faithfulness are so important because most of us think that following Jesus means we get whatever we want, life is gonna be easy, we can ask God for anything and he'll give it to us. Well, what about when God says no, or life beats you up, or bad things happen, right? We we can't abandon the faith just because bad things happen. In fact, Jesus models for us that we can have stronger faith than ever when bad things happen. Yeah faithfulness is what it's all about the keep knocking principle yeah so are you all in or do you have a just in case plan yeah is there this idea in your mind that if if things tank if they go bad if i don't get what i want from god well then i can always go back Mm -hmm. that's not discipleship that's not true commitment it's saying no matter what god i am with you i am for you i am not against you anymore God, if you allow the world to fall down around me, Mm -hmm. I will stand for you and I will follow you. So today we're going to talk about those things. What are you asking God for? What are you believing God for? Mm -hmm. And do you have a just in case or are you all in? Yeah, should be a great discussion, guys. We'll see you next week.